0: Hi, everybody, this is Jimmy G. Hi, everybody, this is Sean C, I guess. You might remember us from the Pie Factory podcast. Then again, you might not. And whenever we're not recording the Pie Factory podcast, we're li- what, what, listening. What's the What's going on? Uh, what's. <laughs> wow, what? Oh, the SNES podcast. What do you think? Better, uh, I think you better go wipe. Not that kind of podcast. Oh, well. Hi, Greg. Two hundred dollars. A Super Nintendo setup costs twice as much as the old system. For the money, the company promises better pictures, sound, and adventure. Now you're playing with power, super power. You're the king, I tell you, you're king. Only for Super Nintendo. You're listening to the SNES podcast with your hosts Soul Blazer and George Hello everyone and welcome to the Super NES Podcast. This is episode number 45. Uh, this is your regular uh, host, Greg, a.k.a. Soul Blazer. Um, I am going solo on this episode like I have with some of my past episodes because my co-host, George, is busy dealing with some real-life issues, uh, moving and other stuff like that. So, as Phil likes to say, first things first, always taking a small break from the podcast just to be able to focus on, on that stuff. Um, the next episode of the podcast was already planned out. That's going to be a special episode which we're going to be uh, talking about toward the end of this uh, uh, podcast. But he should be back after that. Um, So I appreciate everyone uh, tuning in anyway. Um, So I am covering a pretty um, famous game in in this episode of the podcast for several reasons. Uh, We have already covered most of the launch games of Super NES already in this podcast. The last one, Gradius 3, is planned for coverage later on. But I thought, but I figured that it would be fun to, to, to fun to take a look at the last Super NES game released in North America, and that is a port of the classic arcade game Frogger. So, there's another. So, there's a couple other reasons like, why I wanted to cover Frogger. Like I said, it was the last game. It was last game like released like in the U.S. Uh, Frogger for the Super NES was um, was developed by Moonstar Multimedia and was published by Majesco, and uh, came out the Super NES at a whopping late date of October sixth, nineteen ninety eight uh so um we'll talk about that here in, like a little bit uh also uh i've been super busy recently because of work um and everything else going on so i wanted to just like wanted to like i wanted to focus on a game that was kind of light and breezy to cover um and it also gives me a chance to be able to talk about some of the uh late happenings of the super nes because because most of the games i cover so far on this podcast have been kind of uh, early to mid-releases on the system. Uh, we did look at a late Super NES game uh, a, a, a few episodes back, um, which was so forgettable I can't even remember the name of it like right now. <laughs> Showed you how much the person that game made. But, um, yeah, so uh, Frogger. Um, I'm assuming most people out there know what Frogger is or have played it one time or another. Uh, for those few handful of people who may not have, um... Frogger is definitely one of the most classic, beloved uh, games that came out during the classic era, of, like of arcades. Uh, this game was developed by Konami uh, in, in 1981 and had and was, it was released in North America, like the arcades, by Sega. And because of that, for the longest time, I did not know that this was a, a Konami game. Uh, I always thought it was Sega uh, because all the because all the literature and everything, and from what I remember playing the game as a kid in the, in the arcades, I arcades, always said Sega. Um, if Konami was mentioned at all it was like was very very minor uh, Konami was a pretty small company during this time period so I understand them licensing the rights to Sega which was already a major um, arcade uh, publisher and developer at that time period I did not know this game was actually do- was actually made by Konami until I got my hands on the uh, uh, like on the GBA uh, Konami greatest hits collection uh, f- like about like 10 years ago or something like that so interesting so um, the basic gameplay of Frog is pretty simple. Like most arcade games, you control a frog trying to trying to get home safely. There's a, there's a single solitary game screen in which you have to get your frog across two different parts of Hazard's. The first part is trying to get him safely across um, a road with traffic, cars driving in different directions, at different speeds, and then you also have to navigate across a river uh, with turtles. Some turtles love to love to go down on you, um, so you have it's like just like they limited time time frame to be able to hop off them safely and um, logs, and you have to get your frog into one of five. Um, um, Loui Pad, depending upon the version of the game, or uh, like a Rock Hall. So uh, once you get all five frogs uh, home safely before time runs out, uh, the game moves on. To the ne- game moves on to, like the next stage, in which just basically more obstacles such as like snakes and crocodiles show up, and faster car speeds and what have you. Uh, basic, very simple, very classic arcade game, which is why this game has been has been has been popular for so many years. Every now and then, Frogger will will come out with a new game, uh, a new port, and a new sequel, something like that. And the game will be popular like, for a couple of years. And then it will fade away again like for a while. And then it will come out again. So um, as a matter of fact, there is right now a Frogger game in my local Dave & Busters. Um, it's mostly a ticket redemption game. But it does have the advantage of having like a really large screen with very easy, to, like very easy, to, easy to use controls, and it's very difficult to get your frog home safely in that version. So um, frogs are still uh, alive and well um, and kicking. So um, uh, there there's certainly, there's, there certainly seems to be no stopping this little green frog and its popularity as being one of the best arcade games of all time. I've always really loved this game. It's it's, it's simple gameplay, very fun. The arcade game has really great music which is very charming. Uh the music's a mix of classic Japanese uh kid and TV uh, show themes and also has some uh American stuff in there also. Like for example, for for example, one of the small little victory themes is Yankee Doodle Dandy. So, um the whole the whole overall game is like just cute and charming and uh it gets very challenging several stages that the several stage stages in. So, I think the combination of all of that is why the game has been so popular. But we're going to talk about some of the ports, and specifically some of the some of the late nineties uh, ports of this game. This game had once again become popular uh, during that time period because uh, Hasbro had um, had licensed the game from Konami and came out with an ex- came out with an upgraded version of the game for uh, uh, for Windows, Macintosh, and PlayStation in nineteen ninety seven. Um, so it was just be- uh, it's like the, the game consisted of multiple levels. Um, with different with different challenges and different different obstacles, uh, like it was a very very popular like high port of the game. I think it's quite good. Uh, uh, the PlayStation version, in particular, I actually think shines. Um, according to according to Hasbro's own records, the PC version alone in that game sold nearly a million a million copies in less than four months. So, most people think very highly about that version. So, so since Hasbro had the rights to publish the game, still they decided to go ahead and make ports of the game for some of the popular uh, handheld systems uh, um, and consoles at the time period, but not the not the current systems. They wanted to kind of take a step back and kind of and kind of, and kind of step up by the game back to its arcade roots. So, in 1998, not only did the Super NES get a port of uh, uh, Frogger, but. the but so did the but so did the sort the sort the Sega genesis the game boy the game boy cover and the game dot com uh and each version of those games is a little bit different the the game boy and the game boy the game boy uh, uh, cover and the super NES versions are all are all essentially the same um they use the the cover has the same as the same updated look of frogger that the the hasbro used like for the uh, playstation and windows version of the game um there's uh you know, they all look; they all look pretty much like play the same. Uh, we'll talk about the Super Genius version here specifically, like in a moment, because that's what this podcast is about. Um, the Game.com version actually has uh, uh, um, uh, is actually a very faithful port of the arcade game. It's actually very good. Uh, I was checking it out or like, checking it out earlier, like in YouTube, um, and it certainly looks like a very a very playable game compared to most of the Game.com stuff so stuff. So, the Sega Genesis port of the game is notable in that that game, unlike the other version of the game, is simply, it's simply a straight port like an arcade game. No extra features, no bells, no whistles, no upgraded graphics, nothing. It's just simply a straight port. So, um, if you're, like, if you prefer a really faithful version of your Frogger, the Genesis version, like, may be the way to go. But what's but what's special about this is that, the, is that the Frogger game released in North America for both Super NES and the Genesis was the last game to be released for those systems in North America. Um... By this time period the 16-bit systems were pretty much were pretty much old news. Uh, they were uh, they've been de- uh, they've been delegated to second-hand status and whatnot. Uh, to talk a little bit about this like my own experience. Uh, I was a huge Super NES fan and I kept buying games all the way up through 1996. Um And because of uh, Super Mario RPG was the last game that I bought new at full price, and because of games like Mario RPG and the Donkey Kong uh, games and Star Fox and whatnot, the the, the Super NES was able to remain a very viable and popular system even when more advanced hardware came out. Uh, It did quite well against the 32-bit systems, uh, such as the... um, such as the Neo Geo um, and the CDI and whatnot, um, it held on against the against the PlayStation uh, originally, 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 when it first came out. Ninety-seven uh, is when things really started to decline the system, because that's really when the PlayStation and the Saturn really started to gain like major popularity. Uh, I finally bought a PlayStation myself in ninety-seven because, of, uh, because of Final Fantasy Seven. Um, I also picked up an SD Four. Uh, that same year and 97, was, 97 like was when i bought my last um older used games for the system so by 98 the super NES was still hooked up for me but i wasn't buying anything new for it and the amount of time i was actually been playing it was pretty much delegated, delegated to just like firing up an old favorite like every now and then uh, most of my gaming time at that point uh as i transitioned from college to grad school that year was spent either on the uh computer or on the PlayStation or for the, like on the like N64. I actually had my Super NES hooked up until about 2001, I want to say. We, uh, uh, that's when I finally packed it up and went strictly uh, to emulation for it. So, um Nintendo had released its last uh, Super NES game, uh which was a Kirby game, uh, Kirby Dream Land 3, in November uh, like November ninety seven uh, a month earlier, they came out with the redesigned uh, Super NES, known as the uh, Super NES Slim or, 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 or Super NES Mini, um, which gained a lot of uh, which, which gained a lot of fame and attention recently because of the whole uh, Clico Chameleon uh, scandal. So um, <laughs> it did help bring a little bit of attention to the podcast. So I'm kind of uh, somewhat thankful thankful to it for like for, for, for that getting out a little bit to, uh, to a little bit of something good, but. Um, so um Nintendo would stop Nintendo would stop making the Super NES um, in nineteen ninety nine in North America, however its support in Japan continued for a few years after that. Uh Japan gamers would see the last Super NES game known as Super Famicom over there uh in, in November of two thousand and the system would not stop production in Japan um until September of two thousand three. So the system definitely had some had, had, had some had some longer longer legs uh, in Japan. But the Super NES was released in August of 91, so if a game's come out with the system until October of 98, it's a pretty good run, it's respectable. Uh, it, you know, It's a little bit over 70 years, certainly longer than some other consoles lasted. So, um, and like I said, the Genesis lasted even longer because it did a, a, a longer in some in, in some aspects because of the fact that um, Frogger was the last game released for that system for that for that system also um, at the same time at the same price. Uh, this was a bargain like a bargain price game um, when it came out it came out for both the Super Genesis like in October '98. It was priced at only fifteen bucks. Which makes a lot of sense, considering this is just simply a port, uh, like the like the arcade game. And how much the sixteen bit market had decayed by that point. So, the Super NES port was 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 was, was, was specifically developed by a company called Moonstar Multimedia uh, and was published by Majesco. Uh, they had the lights. Uh, like, I said, like I said earlier, they had the rights uh, licensed to them uh, by Hasbro, which in turn had licensed the rights from Konami, uh, the, the original makers of the game, uh, like, their, like, like their updated versions. So what about the game itself? Well, that's a mixed bag. Um... They did try to do some enhancements with this version of the game, uh, compared to uh, the Genesis version of the game, which is which is like I said earlier a straight port. And uh, this and when I'm and what I'm going to say here pretty much applies to the Game Boy uh, and the Game Boy Color versions like the game also. Uh, the graphics were upgraded. Uh, they have a very nice, uh, cute, cartoony 16-bit look to them. Um, the buses the the buses uh the cars the trucks whatever on the street uh have a very like sharp detailed cartoonish look to them uh the water has a nice kind of ripple effect uh your your frog looks pretty good um there's some yeah just 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 some very nice basic graphical upgrades uh I wouldn't call it cutting edge or anything like, anything like that but they have a very nice sixteen bit look to them kind of help the kind of help kind of help to give the game like more modern facelift. Um, the title screen of the game is very basic. Uh, one player or two player alternating options. Um, there's a little, there's a little cute, anime, um, style drawing of your frog holding up a sign saying get ready when the game starts. Um, and in between stages you see that screen again with like, with all these little, uh, with all these little puns, uh, like on the game screen about making references to frogs and croaking and dying and that kind of stuff. So, um, Nothing wrong there. Um, there's still a timer like in this game. Uh, no difficulty level of setting. There's just like one setting, but the difficulty appears to be comparable to the arcade version, if perhaps a little bit harder than the arcade version. Uh, so if you're um, a true Frogger friend, you may, fan, you may find this version of the game just like to be a good challenge for you. The most difficulty, the most disappointing aspect about this game is the like the, like the music. Basically, there is none. Uh, the reason you only heard sound effects when I, the sound effects at the, start of the podcast, when I played the music uh, of the game, is because there's no music. For some reason, they stripped out the music of the game. Um are just not the same without that good without that without those charming, cute frogger tunes that you're used to hearing. let like play on their versions. Why they did this, I have no idea. It just seems like a slap in the face to somebody who's a real Frogger fan to, to, to put this game over, to give this very nice uh, 16-bit graphical upgrade, and not to have any music in the game. Uh, all you have is the sound effects, which, granted, the sound effects are pretty good. Um, they do have a very nice um, hopping sound to them and a croak sound-y when die and whatnot. They, uh, the, uh, the sound effects themselves are quite good. But with no music, um, it's just this is a game you're gonna to want to probably want to listen to, listen to your own music or watch TV in the background or something like that, uh, like you're playing it. Controls handle fine, um, nothing really too wrong. Like the pad, like I um, mean, the pad to navigate your frog around. Uh, the hit detection does seem to be a little bit wonky in this version, though. There's there's sometimes where I swear my frog made the jump across a road safely enough, but he got killed by the the. You know, killed by the truck this complaint certainly is not unique to this version of the game um there are other ports of the game which also kind of seem very touchy with to 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 flight hit flight hit detection I wouldn't call it a deal breaker but but, but but something that you should be aware of that the hit detection de- appears to be a bit off um you go through eight stages of the game uh, with each stage with each stage ramping up in difficulty. If you, if you finish stage eight before your frogs die, uh, then you can put back to, on stage one, essentially, which is just the harder difficulty level uh, by staying intact. Um, when your game over, you're able to enter your score onto a high score list. Uh, if you have the highest score for top, for top for top five, but there's no battery in the game, um, so those it was like, like the scores that removed be moved won't shut the game off. Um, the um, overall, my overall impression of this game is that it's a very decent, competent port to the Super NES. Um, if you're a fan of the game, that this is certainly a version that, like a version like worth checking out. Um, casual fans will probably find this version to be uh, very good because of the uh, because of the enhanced graphics. Purists of the game, like myself, probably wouldn't probably would not want to play this again because of the fact there's no music um not having not having that trying music that music alone like like so many other great arcade games like you know like gyrus and whatnot really makes up a good a a good part of the gameplay and combined with the hit detection issues uh there's just really not enough here worth playing uh without the music in the game so um your mileage may vary uh like i said give this Version of the game a shot if you like keep enjoying the Frogger game, uh, but it's not the best port out there. Um, Arcade Purists are probably going to be better off state. Uh, I, I you know, just of the Genesis version uh, if you, you want to have a version of the game uh, available available for your home system. Um, or there's also like other games also available on Xbox Live and PlayStation Network uh, where they have both an original like an enhanced version of the game. Uh, uh, the, the, a version of the game like, available on there um, it is a bit the, 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 like, it is a bit disappointing that this is the last game to come out in North America like the Super NES and uh, they and the Genesis too because both of those consoles were such a neck neck battle throughout like, like the early mid 90s to 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 see who was going to be dom- the the dominant game system and both systems had has such great games that came out from them over the years and 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 the system kind of releases ends both systems with a very quiet somewhat okay arcade port um, they certainly there's certainly certainly a mixed bag with last games that came out with systems um, some systems had very great games come out come out of their last games most people think very highly of the Spider-Man game for 32X and for um, Magic Knight Ray Earth for the, like the Saturn as, as, as those being their last North American games uh, other systems just have kind of like sports games or or, or just kind of uh, forgettable games. Uh, the NES finished with Wario Woods, which is a puzzle game. That's that's a decent game. That's okay to end the t- 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 flow. That you know that was okay to end it on. But yeah, both these systems really ended their lives uh, with a very unimpressive uh, whimper. Uh, the least of this game, uh, um, unfortunately. So. Anyway, uh, Frogger never played the version. Never, never played, never played the version of the game before. Like I said, your mileage may vary. It's okay. I don't think it's great. There certainly are better ports of the game out there. Um, I just can't get over the fact there's no music in the game. Uh, I'm sorry if it sounds, like it sounds like I'm harping on that, but uh, but I'm but I'm just totally shocked. How much effort could it have taken just to simply just grab the musical soundtrack and just kind of enhance it? I mean the game.com version of the game has a music, so obviously Majestico did have the rights to the able to use music to choose music to, to, to choose music, music in the game. So I just don't do so I just don't get it. Um there are no cheats, tips, codes in the game. This is a late release, so the print run of the game was very small, but there's no problem getting the game on eBay if you want to get it. Uh, there are 48 copies of the game currently get, currently being listed to, on eBay at the time me doing my, my research, like about a week ago, um, and, uh, and, and 110 copies of the Super NES version sold recently. Um, considering, the, considering this game is not very popular, you can get the, get the game pretty cheap despite the uh, despite, despite despite the fact it was late release and kind a of small print run. Card only versions I can, can, uh, uh, ran anywhere from six to six, $6. twenty bucks, that includes shipping. CIB prices any, like around fifteen twenty seven. So if you want to collect the game, not that hard to uh, to find. There were no sealed copies of the game like available at the time of research, but I um but I wouldn't be surprised if a sealed copy of the game would pop up like every now and then. So anyway, that's going to conclude it for this podcast. Um, you know, short, simple podcast like the game itself. So. Next episode, though, uh, I got special plans like that episode. I am very excited to be able to announce that to announce like the teased uh, somewhat uh, on last on the last episode. To celebrate the 50th anniversary of Star Trek uh, happening this summer, we are going to be doing a very special uh, Star Trek uh, Star Trek uh, uh, anniversary uh, podcast, where we're going to be looking at the three Super NES uh, Star Trek games that came out. Uh, those games were uh, Star Trek Next Generation, uh, Futures Past, uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine... Um, Subtitle. Excuse me. Like right now, um, and the uh, Star Trek S-S-S Strategic Operations Simulator, which is set in the original 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 show time period. Oh, Crossroad of Time DS9, Crossroad of Time. So we're gonna be looking at those three games. I am gonna be joined by three special uh, co-hosts uh, on that episode who also who also love Star Trek as much as I do. We're going to have uh, Joe uh, Mastriani, I hope I'm saying his last last name right, from the Upper Memory uh, Block podcast, which focuses upon DOS and pre-Windows XP gaming. We're going to have Aaron Hickman, who's been on the podcast a few times before in the past, uh, from Genesis Gems and a few other podcasts on Retro Obscura. And we're also going to have uh, Christian uh, from the temporarily on hiatus uh, uh, Atari Lynx uh, game-by-game podcast, um, who's also been on the, the, this podcast once before with Smash TV. This will be Joe's time, first time on the podcast, and I'm, and I'm really looking forward to talking to those guys and just really having a huge, fun Geek Guide episode, pretty much like the Star Trek games. And Joe should be back, uh, like, the next episode after that, to, 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 to which we're going be uh, sh- covering, like, I believe it's pronounced like shimisami, uh, 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 to uh, or something like that. (laughs) I know, I know, I know, I I know, I I know I just butchered that name. I'm not very good at Japanese names. So, (laughs) um, and, um. Hopefully we're gonna do. Hopefully we're gonna be, be. Hopefully we're gonna be doing do, do something special for our 50th anniversary. Um, sorry, 50th episode of the podcast coming out. So I still got Star Trek, got Star Trek on the brain Uh, coming out pretty soon. If you have any ideas about that, or if you have any comments, feedback, suggestions, whatever on the podcast, you can send me an email directly to the snes podcast at yahoo.com. That's that's at T-H-E-S-N-E-S snes podcast dot com. You can also find us on our Facebook page. Uh, check out the podcast on iTunes and give us a review please Like be so kind um, and uh, yeah, and the podcast is available on Libsyn I'm also thrilled to be able to announce that as well as also being available on the Mercury Drunkers Network we are now finally on the Throwback Network um, I really want to uh, thank uh, for, um, Flack and Sean for, for, for adding my podcast they're a great site and they're, they're a great network uh, so I'm very very pleased to finally have the, have the podcast on there and, and to be able to give it some greater exposure so uh, thank you. For, so, thank you again very much for, uh, for out there for listening and for giving me a small part of your day. And I will see you next time. Uh, take, out, uh, take care, all, and keep on gaming. Nintendo controls 80% of the video market. But no matter how you play the game or which game you play, things definitely have come a long way since Pac Man. Now you're playing with power. Beep on